Thanks, David. Happy Father's Day to you, man. And to all the rest of the dads that are here and watching online, happy Father's Day to you as well. I hope you get stuck with more than the check today, okay? Hope that something else comes uh, your way as well. As you can see on the slides, we have been, since Mother's Day, talking about suburban legends, and we've been trying to debunk the marriage and parenting myths that are present within our culture. And we're going to wind all of that up today as we look at the myth that says, Dad just doesn't know anything. Now, I would ask you to raise your hand if you've ever said that about your father. Uh, but since you're still hoping that maybe your father will pick up the check today, I'm not going to ask that you, that you do that. But I'm sure that for many of us, we have gone through that period of time where we've just thought, you know what, Dad is just so out of touch. I mean, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know what good music is. He doesn't know how to dress. He doesn't know how to talk. He can't use a cell phone. I mean, you know, all these things that we say, Dad just doesn't, he just doesn't get it. And if, and if we take our cue from popular culture, and if we look at the way fathers are portrayed on television and in the movies, well, I guess we understand why we think that Dad just doesn't get it, right? I mean, most of the sitcoms, Dad is some bumbling oaf who never knows what's going on who never is able to do the right thing. In fact, here's something that I found that was pretty interesting. Do you know a few years ago, colleges around the country began studying the Simpsons? They, they began actually teaching courses on the Simpsons to learn what the stereotypical American family looked like. And that dads were like Homer Simpson. Yeah. So maybe if, if you've sent kids off to college the last few years and, and they come back and and they kind of look at you, dad, and, and they kind of study you a little bit, and you hear them go, oh! Well, you know why. They've been studying the Simpsons, and they have been learning what, what a father perhaps is supposed to be. You know, the problem is that if Homer Simpson is the stereotypical American father, then that means dads are just clumsy, and they're just incompetent, and they're thoughtless, and lazy, and they have explosive temper tantrums. And we've gone a long way from the father who knows best times. You know, and sometimes even in churches we do this. Um, on Mother's Day, we have the tendency to honor our moms, and we talk about how great moms are. And then when Father's Day rolls around, man, we pull out the double barrel. And we just give it to dads, and we talk about, come on, you lazy guy, come on, step up, be a man, lead your family, come on, you need to be more active, and you need to be more involved, and, and, and moms leave, leave services on Mother's Day, and they get, they get flowers, and they, they feel loved, and they feel supported, and, and, and dads leave, and they feel tarred and feathered, and they make a run towards the border, Taco Bell, and... Oh. Do you know how the Old Testament, though, paints a different picture when you look in the writings of Proverbs about fathers? In fact, when you read through Proverbs, what you find is that fathers are to be a source of wisdom. And not just that they are to be, but that fathers truly are a source of, of wisdom. And, and they are individuals of honor, and their wisdom should be held in high esteem. Most of the Proverbs were written by King Solomon. And in those 31 chapters, 
you find some 19 times that the writer addresses the reader as my son. Here's an example. Chapter 4, verse 1. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. This is just one of many places in the Old Testament book where a father's wisdom is honored and a father's counsel is esteemed. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're just going to walk through different passages in Proverbs. And we're going to listen to some fatherly wisdom. And we're going to remind ourselves that... The idea that dad just doesn't know anything is a myth that needs to be discarded. It needs to be put away. And instead, in its place, needs to come this idea that there are fathers who are filled with wisdom and truths and understanding that the next generation should want to have passed along to him. There's a number of different categories in the book of Proverbs that you can break it up into. We're just going to look at a few today and just kind of walk our way through in the next few minutes. So here's what we're going to begin with. Let's look at the fatherly advice when it comes to the subject of, of words. If you just read through the book of Proverbs, you notice there's a lot of real estate that's in there when it comes to the way in which individuals should, should talk and how people should control their tongue. And, and I guess this is really an example of an area where fathers, let's just be honest, we struggle with this sometimes. Or maybe oftentimes. You've seen us, we've been at the ball field, and the umpire has called out our slugger, and we know that he was safe, and okay, maybe it wasn't you, maybe it was the dad that was sitting next to you, maybe it was somebody down a little closer to the plate, but you know the guy that stands up and begins to, to yell at the umpire, who begins to holler and scream, and, and maybe even a profanity or two would come out all because slugger was out. Proverbs 18 and verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and it has the power of death. It's especially true in the relationship between a father and his children. If a child gets in the car after a ball game and all that child hears is all the ways that he or she could have done better, how he or she could have scored more, how that things could have been different, how if only this would have happened and only that would have happened, then the child begins to think that dad never saw any of the good things that I did. John Eldridge points out that every son needs to hear the clear message from his father that you have what it takes and every daughter needs to hear the message from her father that you are beautiful. Proverbs 15 and verse 4 says, kind words heal and help, but cutting words wound and vain. Sadly, a lot of children grow up in homes where they're just starved for praise from their dads. I mean, how common is it to find adult children who are living for their father's approval? Maybe they had a dad that never said, I loved you, or never said that, that you look beautiful. Never said, hey, great game tonight. The great news is, though, that for dads, it's never too late to begin to start pouring praise onto our children. And I think it starts by making sure that we're on the lookout to catch our kids doing things that are positive. That we catch our kids doing something right. We're always quick to look for the way in which perhaps we can correct a mistake. We're right there to scold them or reprimand them. But, but what about looking for opportunities for when they do good and encourage them? Here's another proverb, chapter 16 this time, verse 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. That means that we need to make sure that we affirm who our children are. 
not merely affirm what our children do. It's so easy to fall into a pattern of merely enforcing rules and and we want to affirm certain behaviors, but the starting place is actually encouraging them and, and making sure that we lift them up. So maybe it means that you go to your kid and you say, hey, you know what? The teacher told me that you reached out to a new girl that was in class and you showed her around and you sat with her at lunch and you were one of the only ones that really took, took a notice of her on her first day. Way to go. Or maybe you say, you know what? You have such a serving heart and you're always looking for ways to, to take care of others. And I wonder, I just wonder how God is going to use you in the future and, what, and the ways in which he's going to use you as you get older. Or maybe it's for a father to call up his older daughter and say, I just wanted to call you today and let you know that I think you're a great mom, that I'm so proud of the young woman that you have become and I love you. You see, when a father takes the time to share encouraging words, regardless of the age of the child, it makes a huge deposit that will stay in that account for many years to come. It was true at Kathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, who said, do you know how you can tell if a person needs encouragement? And his answer, he said, they need encouragement if they're breathing. If they're breathing. You know, as a dad, can I say something to you? I think it's important. I think sometimes, dad, we get a little bit too proud sometimes and to talk to our wives or to our children about our own need for affirming words. But can I tell you that it makes all the difference in the world? There are some of you fathers, you've got your own children now, and you're wondering perhaps if you should pick up the phone and call your dad. Maybe you had a father that just hasn't been much of a dad and maybe he doesn't call you on your birthday or you have a a hundred reasons to justify not making contact with him. But don't underestimate the difference that your encouragement can make. You know how it feels for you when your own kids say, Dad, I love you. Dad, I'm proud of you. Dad, can I have five bucks? You know how good that makes you feel. And so do that for your own father. Rabbi Joseph Telushkin wrote a book called Words That Hurt and Words That Heal. And he lectures throughout the country, and he talks about the negative and oftentimes very powerful impact of words. And he'll ask the audience this question. He'll say, can you go 24 hours without saying an unkind word to or about another person? Can you go 24 hours without saying an unkind word to or about another person? He then says this. Those who can't answer yes, but Ms. but say, no, I can't go that long, have a serious problem. You see, if you can't go 24 hours, he writes, without drinking liquor, then you're addicted to alcohol. If you can't go 24 hours without smoking, then you're addicted to nicotine. And if you cannot go 24 hours without saying unkind words about other people or to other people, then you have lost control of your tongue. Proverbs 12 and verse 18 says, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So watch the things you say, Dad. Watch the attitude in which you speak to your children and to your spouse. Here's another area that we need to uh, get some advice from Solomon in, and that's the area of self-control. And I guess in every way when we think about it, sin can always be traced back to a lack of self-control, and that's why it's so important for us to allow the Holy Spirit to truly work in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit Paul would write to the church in Galatia, one of those fruits is self-control. 
And there are times we think we can just do it on our own when we can just get our self under control. And then we realize, you know what, I need, I need help. And as a father, it's my responsibility to try to teach this to my kids. And so I'm getting into discussions with them. I need to make sure that I do so. And I'm not yelling and I'm not screaming and I'm not throwing a tantrum. Proverbs 25 verse 28 It says, like a city walls, or a city whose walls are broken down, is a man who lacks self-control. Here's something to think about, dads. Where do you lose your temper the most? Where does it flare the most? What upsets you more than anything else? Now, you might not be able to answer that question, but I guarantee you that your kids can. They know exactly what it is that pushes your buttons. They know what it is that gets your goat. They know what it is that causes you to get just a little bit upset. Now, years ago, there was a guy that wrote a book that was called The Things That Anger Jesus That Don't Anger Us and The Things That Anger Us That Don't Anger Jesus. Cute little title, huh? It makes you think for a minute. Are there things that you get upset about that wouldn't have bothered Jesus at all? And are there things that Jesus got upset about that you don't really worry about? You know, Ephesians 4 and verse 26 says that in your anger, you should not sin. See, the Bible teaches us that anger is not a sin as long as it is over the right thing and handled in a self-controlled manner. But what I see more often than not are fathers that just get angry, and I include myself in this, just over the silliest things. But then you have dads that don't get angry at all about the way their daughter dresses when they go out on a date with friends. Or they don't get angry at all with the way that their son disrespects his authority. They don't get angry at all with the kids that are flippant about God. So dads, let's make sure that when we get angry, it's for the right reason. And let's make sure that we are self-controlled in that anger. Proverbs 29 and verse 11, remember this, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. And remember, dads, that the way in which that we interact and speak to our wives, to speak to the mother of our children, says a lot because our kids are watching. And when we look at our kids and say, hey, don't talk to mom like that, if they've heard us speak to mom in the same way, You think they're really going to listen to what we say? Proverbs 17, verse 27, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. So be careful when it comes to letting yourself go, to being overcome. Practice self-control and allow the Spirit of God to bring you more under His control. Here's another area of advice that's given to children in Proverbs from the Father. Proverbs 11 and verse 20 says, The Lord hates people with twisted hearts, but He delights in those who have integrity. And as the Bible would teach the most important thing that a father can pass along to a child is not a success on the athletic field, it's not success in the classroom or the boardroom, but it is an understanding that character and integrity truly matters. Again, listen to The wise father, Proverbs 12, verse 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. So as fathers, we're supposed to be teaching our kids what it means to be truthful, what it means to keep your word, what it means to do things in the right way every time and in every way. And we know that our children are watching us, right? 
Again, Proverbs 20 and verse 7, good people who live honest lives will be a blessing to their children. They're watching even when we don't think they are. And they're going to remember even when we don't think that they will. And they want to see, is our life matching up to our words? They're watching to see what we're watching on our Netflix account. They're watching to see how it is that we deal with people out in public. They're watching to see if we are criticizing leaders at the dinner table. They're watching to see if we're laughing at the dirty jokes, if we're shortchanging the clerk. They're watching to see if we flirt with a neighbor, if we're gossiping with a coworker. They hear those things. They see these things. And you can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool your kids. The Bible says, Proverbs 11 and verse 5, that moral character, integrity, makes for smooth traveling. But an evil life is a hard life. Now, along with this idea of integrity, I guess this next one kind of goes hand in hand. There's fatherly advice that comes from a father to a son. And it's one of those things that you might look at and think, oh, I wonder why Solomon was even talking about this. Because he surely did not hold up very well. And it's in the area of lust. Solomon actually probably spends more time on this topic than any other in the book of Proverbs. There's basically three chapters in the book dedicated to it. And let's just be honest, lust is a battlefield for a lot of men. Someone has said that 95% of men struggle with lust and the other 5% struggle with lying. Now, I don't know about you, but it's true. For some reason, God created men in a way in which we are visually stimulated. That is why Proverbs is filled with warnings for men to seek wisdom rather than women. So it makes sense to rely on the Holy Spirit early on because if you try on your own, then you're going to lose. And for men, the battleground oftentimes comes when you travel. It's not so much when you're at home with your wife or with your kids, but it's when you're away and you're on the business trip or you're having to stay late at the office. You have to say, you know what, I'm just going to plan ahead and I'm going to think this through. Because there are times in your life when you end up having more privacy and you don't have the scrutiny of others there with you. I mean, we really need to protect what we put in our our eye gate, what we have that we place in front of us. We have to watch our interaction with people of the opposite sex and the time that we spend with them or the conversations that we have so that we put up a hedge of protection around us. Now, I want to read from Proverbs chapter 5. It's kind of lengthy, verses 3 through 8. And this is the encouragement that fathers give to their children. And it's good for all of us dads to be reminded of. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, for her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. Solomon warns pretty strongly here the fathers, the dangers of lust and sexual temptation. And again, I want you to notice that he warns so strongly, but this is an area that he was not successful in. It was an area that was a personal failure for him. 
I mean, he had thousands of women in his life between marriages and concubines, and, and yet he still wasn't afraid to give wisdom in the area where he struggled. And I think sometimes as dads, sometimes I think we feel like that if we can't handle something 100%, then we don't have the right to speak into our children about that issue. And again, that's a myth. That's a myth that our culture has laid on us that says, Dad, unless you're perfect, you should not share on the issue. And so fathers say, I've just done so poorly in this area, I'm not going to talk to my kids about it. But instead, we need to humble ourselves and say to our kids, you know what? I'm praying that you do not make the same mistakes that I made. I see you going down a path and I don't want you to do what I did. I want you to honor the wife of your youth and I, I want you to, to come into that marriage at a state of, of purity. I want you to treasure your spouse. You see, as a father, even if you have failed in some of these areas, listen, it is still on you. It's still on me to teach our children this wisdom. And I think in some ways you've come up, I think we just come up short. And Solomon doesn't, he doesn't avoid the counsel because it seems like a private matter or because it's something that might be awkward. Instead, he talks to his children clearly about this. And so maybe, man, here's the prayer that we need to have. Lord, help me find joy through my wife. Help me to exchange the energy that I waste on lusting on someone I am not married to for investing in genuine love with my wife. Here's a final topic. Something that the wise father in Solomon passes along. And it concerns the area of faith. It's something that he talks about over and over again in Proverbs. It's paraphrased this way. He says, the fear of the Lord. And more than 20 times in the book of Proverbs, he uses this particular phrase. The first time's in chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, everything begins from having a reverent respect for God and understanding one's place before the true Heavenly Father. And it is what is most essential for a parent to pass along to a child. It is the ultimate and the only accomplishment that truly matters as a dad. Do your children respect, honor, and fear the Lord? Proverbs 16, verse 20 says, Blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So Solomon says, You trust God in all of your decisions. And so here's what we do, dads. We develop some healthy habits. We have healthy habits like reading God's Word on a regular basis or surrounding ourselves with other men who are good Christian examples and mentors and good influences. These habits are able to bring forth, bring forth from fertile soil faith that grows up, faith that then gets passed along to the next generation because that's our responsibility, to pass along our faith. One of my favorite stories is written by author Phil Calloway. And he writes about this idea of what it means to pass along faith. But more than anything, he writes, about, he writes about the burden that he felt. And the first time that he felt the burden. Here's what he says. May 31st, 1986 was a Saturday. My friends played softball that day. I paced a hospital hallway with my wife. At least, he writes, I think it was my wife. Where she was... Where she has always been rather sweet and soft-spoken, this woman was more like Attila the Hun in a hospital gown. Rub my back, she commanded. Don't touch me, she hollered. This continued what seemed like 14 days until I found myself face to face with my firstborn son. 
Sure, he was a little wrinkly, but who could blame him? I held him close. I touched his tiny fingers. I counted his toes. I looked into his eyes. They were blue like mine. Then the most amazing thing happened. A revival, I suppose. As I looked into the blue eyes, it was as if I heard these words. Calloway, for the first 25 years of your life, you've been a hypocrite. You've been close to the church, but far from God. You were holding in your arms the one person you'll never be able to hide from. If you think this little guy won't see it, you're naive. Calloway writes, people ask me when I became a Christian. I say May 31st, 1986. You see, that night for the first time in my life, I bowed my head and I said, dear Lord, I am sorry. Make me real. Make me genuine. I want my precious little boy to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And if he won't learn it from me, he has two strikes against him already. I meant that prayer. Five years later, the same little boy looked up at me one night and said, Daddy, I want to be like you. And tears came to my eyes. He writes, I don't have all the child-rearing answers for you, but I do know this. If you want your child to love God, you love God first. And he quotes Proverbs 9 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You know, our culture says, my dad doesn't know a thing. My dad's stupid. My dad's silly. My dad's stuck in the past. My dad just doesn't understand. Can I tell you something? If your father is a good steward of what God has given him, if his words are positive, if he is a man of self-control, integrity, purity, and above all, if he is a father whose faith is real, then I hope that you realize as a family that you are blessed. And if you look to your father who is no longer able to sit here with you on a pew and you look and say, you know what, that was the man that I grew up with. Maybe he couldn't work a smartphone. Maybe he wore white socks when he went to the beach. Maybe he wore black socks when he went to the beach. Oh, maybe he had all of these funny habits and he did all of these things that made you cringe. But you were blessed. So whether you're a father or not, whether you're male or female, young or old, single or married, I don't know, maybe today is the day that you need to say, today is the day I ask God to make me real. Maybe you'll look back years from now and you'll say, June 19th, 2016, that was the day I truly became a Christian. See, maybe you've been true to the church, but you haven't been true to God. See, all of us come to that crossroads. For some of the dads who are here, maybe the crossroads is for you today to come and say, you know what, there is something more than just sports. There's something more than a career. There's something more important than a paycheck, and that something is Jesus Christ. 
And that's what I need to be the most important thing in my life. Maybe today you need to be the leader of your family and say, you know what, we're going to commit our lives to Christ. We're going to commit our membership with this church family and we're going to say this is where we are going to grow and this is where we are going to be fed and this is where we are going to be encouraged to live a life that honors God. Proverbs 14 and verse 26 is a word of encouragement for all of us. It says, he who fears the Lord has a secure fortress. For his children it will be a refuge. I remember the day. It was November 18th. 2001. It was the day that I first held my wrinkled baby girl. And it was the day that even though I had been preaching already for many years, it was the day that I truly realized that there was a God. See, I had spoken about Him before. I had taught about Him. I had memorized verses about Him. But in holding that child, I truly saw Him. For nine months before that, she had not been. And now in my arms was a miracle. And so for the last now 15 years, I have been trying to learn what it means to be a father, to be a dad. And there have been those times when I didn't know it. I didn't know anything. And there's been those times when hopefully I've been able to put forth wisdom that I've been able to pass on to her and to her brother. But I learned it from Scripture, any good that I have done, and I've learned it from watching my own father who I've been blessed to grow up with. And I've learned it from watching many of you who are dads in this room and the way in which you have been men of self-control and been men of integrity. I've learned it from from individuals who God has brought into my life. And so, and today, a day when oftentimes fathers leave church services feeling beat up, I just want to say, dads, thank you. Thank you for being an example to me, and thank you for letting me be a part of the club, and thank you for the way in which you do the best that you can to listen to the wisdom of God and to pass it along to your children. And may we together as fathers commit ourselves to continually listening to what the true Heavenly Father has to say and raising up our children in a way that will honor and glorify Him. Whether you're a mom or dad, if you need to come for prayers this morning, if you'd like to become a Christian this morning saying, I want to follow Christ, be baptized for the remission of my sins, we will celebrate with you. Whatever your need might be, we're going to sing to encourage one another. Dads, Here's what I want you to do. We don't normally do this in church, but here's what you're going to do. When we stand to sing this song, right, I just want you to turn to another dad that's around you and give that dad a high five and tell him thank you for being here today in worship to God as we stand and praise him together. Let's sing.